Welcome to episode 21 of Between the Times. My name is Ross Hodges and I'm here with Pastor John Payne as we continue our discussion on why weekly communion. And uh, this has been a three-part series. This is the third of three where now we are moving into six objections to uh, weekly communion. And John, just um, are there actually people who disagree with this? Well, yeah, I think um, there are people that... that uh, that are wrong on this issue and that's partly why we're doing this is we want to point out um, how um, we've got this down pat and have no issues that's right other people do we so. understand everything perfectly yes that's right if so. you want to know how anything in the Bible should be interpreted just ask us yes yes <laughs> <laughs> we have nothing else to learn so now we're just uh, doing podcasts so. exactly now we we do certainly come at this issue with um, with humility and uh, recognizing that there is mystery wrapped up in some of these things we're we're talking about uh, and when it comes to weekly communion as we've said from the very beginning we know that there are different views on on how often uh, we would we would take pretty strong issue with those who would would have really infrequent partakings right. we think that the that would be pretty clearly against uh, scripture and and the regularity with which the Lord's people should come to the table, but there will be those that would partake monthly or 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 bi-monthly, and uh, we would say, yeah, these are acceptable practices. Although mm -hmm. we would, as we're doing in this podcast, argue for right. weekly communion for different reasons, and others may have uh, reasons why they don't. But uh, we wanted to present what would be some of the common objections. Uh, to weekly communion and um, some of them quite frankly that are really quickly thrown out there are just straw men that's right uh, they right. they just don't cut it and and one of those objections one of the biggest objections is that weekly observance of the Lord's Supper will make the Lord's Supper too common fostering indifference and irreverence in the hearts of Christians mm -hmm. um, is that a good objection? Uh, will the Lord's Supper be too common? Will it? Uh, will people shrug their shoulders at it if we do it weekly? Well, uh, I mean, I, I think our listeners will guess what uh, our answer <laughs> to that question is. But just to, to start us off here, um, well, no, I, I, it's not a good objection. You know, with with all due respect to some godly people who who uh, might make that objection, uh, we could we could make the same objection for the preaching of the word or the singing of psalms, or um, the, the praying of, of public corporate prayers, or the confessing of the faith together. Um, we could say, well, you don't want to do these too frequently because they, they might uh, become sort of seen as just you know, too ordinary and, and that sort of thing. But if, uh, if we'll remember that what the Lord's Supper is is a means of grace, and it's a means of grace in the same way that the preaching of the Word is a means of grace, that um, the the praying of God's church is a means of grace. Then we'll have to remember that that the objection just it doesn't hold water. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean you know with this kind of logic, uh, with having frequent communion, uh, with frequent communion bringing a kind of uh, laissez-faire attitude towards the table. Uh, you could say that about preaching, and so we should maybe have a sermon once a quarter mm. so that people will really listen. That's right. And so it'll be more special and more meaningful. And in fact, 
just to have a little bit of fun here, why, why don't we, um, with if we're going to use that logic to take it to the extreme, why don't we only have worship once a quarter? Yeah, or once a year. There you go. Then people will be really special for everyone, and it wouldn't be it wouldn't become commonplace. And 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 this this brings up another issue as well is that you know uh, there should be a kind of ordinariness and a commonness mm -hmm. uh, to our worship services and even coming to the Lord's table. Now, please. Don't hit what I'm not. Don't confuse that with yeah. flippancy yeah. or yeah. I, I mean, you know, it's a really special thing when we gather around uh, the dinner table on the Lord's Day with my family mm -hmm. and with uh, friends that we invite into our home. That's that's special, mm -hmm. but it's not a Thanksgiving feast either. Every Sunday, it's not right. a Christmas dinner every Sunday. That's right. It's not the anniversary dinner every Sunday. Mm -hmm. So. So while it's it's always special and there's nothing common uh, about the gospel and while it will always have its effect in us, we don't want to make the Lord's Supper into something that it's not meant to be. It's not meant to be, uh, you know, celebrated once a year with all the the the, the china and the mm. the linens and and the the ceremony and you know it's a simple meal. Mm -hmm. meant to convey to us the person and work of Jesus Christ and to be received by faith and repentance. And that has both uh, vertical implications and, and horizontal implications, mm -hmm. as we mentioned in our last podcast. That's right. And, and it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive for something that is ordinary and regular uh, than to exclude a, a deep reverence and a deep uh, sense of uh, of thought and and focus. Just again, just like the preaching of the word every week, should be fostering a um, contemplation on the word, meditation on the gospel, and on judgment and salvation. And that's exactly what we are arguing should be happening every week, um, reinforced further by the Lord's Supper. Yes, and so that brings us to our second objection which is connected to the first, that weekly observance of the Lord's Supper is not explicitly commanded in Scripture. Um, mm. Well, the answer to that would be neither is the weekly observance of prayer. Or the weekly observance of the preaching of the Word. Yes, or the weekly observance of the reading of the Word in public worship. We don't have these explicit uh, commands. However, the Lord's Supper as a means of grace um, uh, is to be celebrated in the context of public worship. The question of how often this is a decision, of course, that needs to be made by the elders, mm -hmm. uh, needs to be made by the pastors. Um, and and I, I, as we mentioned already, the, the, the frequency of the table is something that is left up to uh, the elders and may vary from congregation to congregation. Uh, we don't want to be dogmatic on this. We're not saying that churches that don't have weekly communion are in sin. We're not saying that. And we're not telling people to leave their church no, <laughs> because no. they don't have weekly communion. No. Um, however, infrequent communion does not seem to be the practice of the early church, as we've already mm -hmm. discussed in previous episodes uh, from Acts 2.42. Mm -hmm. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 17-34, where the Apostle Paul gives his expounding upon the Lord's Table. There, there, there appears to be a, a frequency with the Lord's Table that is um, certainly more than once a quarter or once a year. Mm. Um, our third objection 
uh, or the third objection rather against this position would be that weekly observance will give us the appearance of being Roman Catholic and mm -hmm. not Protestant and Reformed. What, what do we say to that? Well, um, there's, there's a few things to say, and uh, we, first of all, say that we, we don't want to be confused with uh, the Roman Catholic Church and uh, their practices and beliefs, but uh, we have to go a lot farther than frequency um, to, hmm. to, you know, to, to understand at this point, because what the Roman Catholic Church is doing through the Mass and what we are saying is happening in, in the Lord's Supper and Communion are two very, very, very different things. Yes. And so, um, uh, we, well, we don't want to let a straw man argument that, well, you could appear Roman Catholic um, to take away from the doctrine that is being preached at the table. And uh, perhaps you want to expound on that. Yeah, I, I think, it, rightly, there's a th major theological difference between what we are doing and what uh, the Roman Catholic Church is doing. Uh, historically, though we need to understand that uh, in the late Middle Ages, uh, the Roman Catholic Church celebrated the Lord's Supper only once a year. Mm. And um, that was a decision of the Fourth Lateran Council in 1215 AD. And, um, and then, of course, we know century, centuries later, uh, the, the, the Eucharist or the sacrifice of the Mass became a central element of every worship service. And this is how it remains to this day. So, so consequently, many evangelical Christians who have been in churches that have really marginalized the Lord's Supper and have not given a lot of thought to it and have come to the table infrequently, they associate frequent communion with some kind of Roman Catholic leanings or mm. even perhaps uh, some Anglo-Catholic uh, Anglo mm -hmm. leanings mm -hmm. uh, from the High Anglican Church. Um, but on the contrary, uh, the, the Reformed uh, from the days of the Protestant Reformation have had uh, those who have clearly communicated that a weekly communion, uh, communion is actually very logical in terms of, of what we see in the Bible and, and, and the logic of, of the liturgy and mm -hmm. what the Lord's Supper is meant to be for God's people. So the objection should be understood as, as making an argument that doesn't um, really stick because the the true history of the Protestant church, the, the Reformed tradition, is a frequency. Um, sure, John Calvin um, uh, and, and, and as well as John Owen, uh, the first generation reformer and a second generation Reformer, they, they both clearly communicated uh, that frequency is a, a good thing. John Calvin, um, when, when commenting on the medieval Catholic Church's annual administration of the Lord's Supper, he says, it should have been done far differently. The Lord's table should have been spread at least once a week for the assembly of Christians, and the promises declared in it should feed us spiritually. Mm. And that's, that's Calvin, um, you know, one of the magisterial reformers from Geneva. And then uh, in a similar vein, John Owen, the Puritan, writes in his 1667 anonymous catechism on worship. He writes, quote, How often is that ordinance, the Lord's Supper, to be administered? His answer, every first day of the week, mm. or at least as often as opportunity and conveniency may be obtained. Of course, those were days of, uh, of persecution mm -hmm. uh, in the 1660s. Uh, 
uh, through to the Glorious Revolution in 1688. And Owen clearly makes the point that it's every first day of the week that we should partake of the Lord's Supper. So historically, we've got uh, a lot to look back to. Even Charles Spurgeon, mm -hmm. uh, the great Reformed Baptist pastor from London in the 19th century, he advocated for weekly communion. communion. Mm -hmm. Well, a uh, um, fourth objection that is actually uh, similar in concept uh, to that uh, third one is that um, those who object will say, well, weekly observance of the Lord's Supper will, will create too much uh, dependence upon the sacrament itself, and it could cultivate uh, superstition in the hearts of the congregation. Where, where is that objection coming from? I think it kind of connects to what we were just talking about yeah, with the yeah. Roman Catholic Church that, you know, one would uh, associate a lot of particularly medieval Roman Catholicism with superstition, mm -hmm. um, all of the various uh, outward acts of reverence uh, that are, are displayed and um, some of the superstition that came along, comes along with baptism and the Lord's Supper. Uh, uh, but we need to recognize that superstition is cultivated by ignorance. That's right. And ignorance is helped by teaching, and the more frequent the teaching, hopefully the less the ignorance. That's right. So rather than displace the Lord's Supper and baptism because there, are, there is uh, some confusion surrounding these things, mm -hmm. we want to give a clear teaching on it. Uh, humbly recognizing recognizing there's a lot of mystery wrapped up in this, but but still we, we want our people to benefit from the sacraments because Christ himself instituted them for the life and blessing of the church. It, it's, it's not a favor of the church or, or, or pastors or elders to actually marginalize and minimize, uh, put on the sidelines these important means of grace. Mm. Well, the... Um fifth objection is that uh, some churches will say, some pastors would say, well, doing this weekly would just simply just take too much time and effort, and we can't afford to do that with the other things that we have going on in the worship service each week. Yeah, that's, that's a pragmatic argument. It is. It is, and, uh, you know, I, I understand why people would hold this, but, but to, to deny this means of grace to God's people simply because uh, it's going to add a few minutes to the service uh, to me is not a good good reason. Um, interestingly too, you would think that, that, that Christians coming into the practice of weekly communion would maybe object to it more. Mm -hmm. But uh, in the last two years having introduced a lot of people to this practice at Christ Church. Have you heard anybody complain about it? No, it, it, quite the opposite. Actually, yeah. I had uh, one of our members, I'm paraphrasing, but say to me something to the effect of, you know, before Christ Church, um, I'd never really thought much about weekly communion, and, and, you know, maybe he even said something about finding it strange. Or communion period. Or communion period, yeah, yeah, exactly. He said, but now that he has been at a church where he's been partaking weekly and coming to the table weekly, that it makes so much sense that that you know that you would marry the the Lord's table to the preaching and just to the rest of the worship service, and that that just is such a natural part of what we do every week. And that now you know wouldn't want to go to a church that that 
doesn't have uh, the Lord's Supper weekly. Yes, and in terms of, of priority as well, we do want to make it very clear that, you know, so, another objection, which we don't have here on the page in front of us, but an objection is that the Word of God will be displaced if you put such uh, a high importance and priority on the Lord's table. Mm. And uh, sure, all of these things could happen. Those things are possible. If done improperly. If done improperly and where there's not proper instruction. And the reason why we would talk about the priority of the reading and preaching of Scripture to the sacraments is because we don't understand the sacraments apart from the Word. Right. And so this is why we've always, in our uh, tradition, we've never had uh, the Lord's Supper, you know, just on its own, or baptisms on its own, right. outside of a proper worship service. Never separated from the preaching of the Word. Never separated from the preaching of the Word. The preaching of the Word is the priority because it gives understanding to the tables. This is why at Christ Church, we have uh, the, the sermon... Uh, the expository sermon, and then when we come down to the table, we give more instruction at the table and connect the preaching to what's taking place at the table, mm -hmm. and then give further instruction and warnings and exhortations from the table so as to, to help everybody understand what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, the same goes with baptism. Uh, so, yeah, th these things could turn into superstitious acts, or they could turn into things that people merely push aside and say these aren't really important for the Christian life, let's not bother. Uh, those two things are possibilities, but if, if approaching it in a healthy biblical way, why then these things become uh, central for, for the Christian life and, and growth and piety and, and pointing people to Christ. Yeah, I think it's important to, to bring up just the logic um, that the, the abuse of something doesn't itself negate the goodness of the thing. So the abuse of the Lord's Supper or the, the misuse of it, perhaps we should say, becoming too commonplace or too flippant mm -hmm. or uh, superstitious, that doesn't, um, that itself is not a good argument for it done rightly. No, and I, I find that, that a lot of Reformed brethren, they are actually are thinking about all the negatives. They're coming at it in a very pessimistic way. They're saying, well, what if this happens? Or mm -hmm. what if that happens? Or what if the service goes too long? Or what if people start getting superstitious? Or what if this... Well, I would, I would come back to that. I would respond to that by saying, well, what if people are, have more experience of their union with Christ? Mm -hmm. What if your church has greater unity because you're coming to the table weekly? Mm -hmm. uh, what if uh, you come to the table and you connect it to the preaching, and you work hard as a pastor to help everyone understand the gospel better through the preaching of the word and through the weekly participation in the sacraments. That is what I would encourage. I'd say, what what if uh, these things would happen in the life of your church? Don't look at the negative. And if negative yeah. things do emerge, then just pastorally work through them. Right. That's a great point. Yeah. That's a great point. Now, the, the last objection we have listed here um, that some will make is that uh, they say intensity uh, at the table at the Lord's Supper is better than frequency, and therefore we should only we should do it m infrequently so that we can have more intensity each time we do it. Um, how do we how do we respond to that? Well, again, if we really believe that the Lord's Supper is a primary means of grace, along with the Word and prayer, 
why can't we be both frequent and intense right. in our administration and receiving of it? Just as we want to be intense and frequent and passionate when it comes to the preaching of the word and the mm. hearing of the word and the reading of the word and the praying of the word. The singing of the word. The singing of the word. Why not be passionate, frequent, uh, and intense uh, in all of these things? Mm. We, can, we can do so at the table as well. So uh, I would, I would, I'm still waiting for some of my friends uh, to give me a good reason for why we ought not to partake weekly. There are, there are lots of objections that are given, but most of them really are uh, uh, objections that, that show possibilities of things that could go wrong or things that could be wrong, but don't necessarily have to be. You can make all those same objections to everything else we do. That's right. We don't want to approach, uh, approach anything in our life that way. So. Well, this has been a, a wonderful discussion, and if any of you, our eight listeners, uh, do have a, 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 an objection that we should consider uh, for not doing uh, weekly communion, we would love to hear about it. You can visit us at ChristChurchCharleston.com and find our email addresses and send us that objection. But otherwise, we look forward to having you uh, visit us at Christ Church, and whatever uh, Sunday you happen to visit, we will be partaking of the Lord's Supper, and um, we look forward also to having you join us again on our next episode of Between the Times. <laughs> <laughs>